0: Uh, welcome to our newest episode of the Lebanese physicians uh, podcast and today i have uh, uh, two medical students uh, with me uh, william azar and nadia Smeha, both medical students uh, at georgetown university in their third year of uh, medical school and the reason we have them today is to discuss entrepreneurship to uh, help fill the medication shortages in lebanon as both william and nadia uh, spearheaded the project and sent a lot of medications to Lebanon recently, successfully. Uh, Welcome Nadia, welcome William. Thank you. Thank you.
1: you.
0: First, I'm going to start by having you guys give me a bit of a background on yourselves. So Nadia, can you start by telling me a bit about how you ended up at Georgetown and uh, uh, some of your background?
2: Yes, of course. First, thank you so much for having us. William and I were super excited for this. Uh, So yeah, um, I grew up in Lebanon. I was actually born here in the US, but my parents moved back when I was like two. And I grew up in Lebanon my whole life. Uh, I actually went to school with William. We were both at IC um, and we graduated from there in 2016. uh, And I had always known since like a young age that I wanted to go into medicine. So I was always kind of on my radar that I wanted to come to the US and do my training here. Um, so I decided to apply to universities from uh, like high school to come here for undergrad. And I ended up uh, doing my undergrad degree at Cornell uh, in Ithaca, New York. It's like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, but it was great. I really enjoyed it. And then uh, I applied to med school in my senior year. Um, and I ended up here at Georgetown with William, which was crazy because we knew each other from from I.C. Um, so now I'm in my third year here at Georgetown. I haven't fully decided what I want to go into yet, but I'm leaning towards going into a surgical subspecialty. Um, and I've always been, you know, passionate about like global health and public health. I studied that in undergrad and I did a lot of volunteering in that. Um, and I continue to do that in medical school. So this project was kind of a natural extension of my passions. Uh, yeah, William, can you tell us a bit about your background?
1: Sure. Sir. Um, As also Nadia mentioned, I grew up in Lebanon. We went to the same school. We graduated from IC in 2016. I graduated from AUB in 2019 with a degree in biology. And then I decided that I really did not want to be an IMG because you know how hard they're making it these these days for IMGs. So I decided that I'm gonna just try to move to the US. I did a masters at Georgetown uh, in physiology and biophysics. And I got accepted into medical schools in the US. Uh, chose Georgetown. I'm currently a third year with Nadia at Georgetown. And I also think I'm going into a surgical subspecialty. And I think the fact that me and Nadia really have similar backgrounds, we grew up in the same areas, we went to the same school, we uh, are now in the same medical school, it really made us think in the same direction, really made us um, share some similar goals and interests. And this project that we did together is just a mere example of of this
0: yeah, this was i mean this was a, a a great undertaking and uh it was and the fact that it was successful is, is very big too so we'll talk about it in a bit but can you tell us a bit of a background so lebanon i mean there's, there's always been ups and downs in the country but uh, for the most part over the past uh, 30 years uh, everything was available you could get medications uh, anytime you want to it wasn't a big issue Uh, until uh, after the financial crisis and economic collapse so can you give us a bit of a background about how the medication shortages in Lebanon and how severe uh, that has been over the past couple of
1: years I think for um, I was there during the crisis so I kind of witnessed it in person Um, when I you know I had this experience at a pharmacy where I actually saw uh, a man crying because he couldn't find his one of the drugs he was looking for so I was able to help him because i had to text some people actually in washington dc who were able to find a connection and send the medication so this is just an example of you know how difficult it was for people to find even the simplest medications this was just a an anti-reflux drug for his mother who had cancer but it, he was really sad because it really bothered his mother and um so it was and it's not that it was a drug shortage for really difficult drugs such as a cancer drugs chemotherapy for example this was definitely a huge problem, but also we had antibiotics. Children dying, dying from you know the easiest, uh, the easiest, the, the most treatable diseases. The drug, the drug shortage, really was a national tragedy in Lebanon. A really a big threat to our national security, and it won't really end anytime soon. This never happened in the past, but now with you know the fluctuations and the, or the monetary crisis, basically, um, this is. Projected to last for years, at least. Yeah, I think what's what's more concerning
0: is the absence of some of the chemotherapeutic agents to treat uh, malignancies. And right. that you wanted to add something, right?
2: Yeah, I was just gonna add that, like, just talk from talking to people in healthcare back home. Even in hospitals, like, they had to ration their services and uh, like prioritize certain patients. And then it became who can pay more for certain things, which it shouldn't be that way at all. And I heard of people dying from totally avoidable and very easily treatable things. And one thing that also stood out to me was how there was a shortage in the immunizations for children. So this causes a huge public health crisis on the long term if you don't immunize your children early on when they're supposed to get uh, their immunizations. And on top of all that, there was the COVID pandemic going on. So the healthcare system was super strained already. So it was just like completely collapsing with all, the, with all of this added uh, pressure.
0: And Nadia, with your background and global health, I'm gonna ask you this question. So, how did you guys come up with the idea uh, to start this project? And why why did you think you were gonna be successful in, in doing it?
2: <laughs> Good question. Uh, I don't think we knew we were gonna be at least as successful as we were. We're very thankful for that. But um so I'll tell you a bit how I came up with the idea. So I was stuck. I got stuck in the U.S. Um, when COVID happened. I was still at in university at, in my senior year, and I couldn't go back in 2020 because you know the airport shut down. Whatever, it was really hard. Um, but of course, I was hearing about everything going on back home with the revolution. I was following that, and then of course the explosion, and the COVID, like how COVID was impacting Lebanon as well, um, and. I was talking to my family and friends, and I knew how bad the situation was. And like, I was seeing pictures and all that stuff. But I ended up going back in the summer of 2021 for the first time, like, post explosion and post COVID. And it was like a whole new shock and heartbreak that I experienced, like, seeing it firsthand. Uh, I felt like I went back to a place that was completely different, like, my home wasn't there anymore. Just the spirit of people was so different walking into stores, like, think the shelves were empty. Like, it was just so shocking and crazy to me. Um, and I during that time, like, I was there over the summer, I just had this, like, very intense feeling of survivor's guilt that they talk about. Like, why do I have it better? Why do I get to go back to the U.S. and have everything available to me in the blink of an eye? Um, and just everything come easy to me while, like, my family and friends can't even get, like, the most basic medications or can't find fuel or have to wait in line for four hours to get their car fueled can't go to work like it's it it was just crazy and I just felt like it was so unfair Um, and it's my home so I really really wanted to do something and when I came back to the US I was just thinking like I have to do something I can't just sit and watch this happen Um, like I feel like I've always had this idea like to use your privilege in a good way because sometimes it feels unfair when you have so much more privilege than others Um, and when I came back to the U.S. to start my second year of med school, um, I was seeing these like Instagram pages of people sending medications or like citizens in Lebanon posting medications they really need. And some people in like Paris and London and the U.S. being like, oh, I have this medication, I'll send it with my friend who's going. So it was very like a personal, like individual effort. And I thought that was a really good idea. And I was thinking how we can like scale it and make it into a bigger thing um and I knew I wanted to do help in like the healthcare sort of uh aspect because that's like the field that I'm studying and what I want to go into and of course it's like a very like pressing and demanding and uh Pressing situation when someone's health is at stake. Uh, So seeing those Instagram pages and people successfully sending medications, uh, like sparked this idea in my head. And I called William one day, it was like at the the second week of our second year of med school. And I was like, we need to do something about this. What do you think of sending medications to Lebanon? Like from DC organizing like an effort. And he loved the idea. He was very like motivated to do it. and he encouraged me actually a lot. And that day we were, I think we were studying or something, uh for like an anatomy exam. I remember. And he was like, "Ah, oh, uh, there's this group on Facebook of like the, all the Lebanese people in the dmv area. On and I, I think it had like I don't know a thousand members or something. And he was like, so "What do you think? Should we post on there and see, you know, to gauge the interest to see how people." if people would be able to help and support and if people like this idea so we can start doing something. And he posted and like just in a few minutes, he got so many responses, like so many responses. People were very willing to help and they were like, please let us know how we can help. This is a great idea. So that's how it started and it really encouraged us to continue thinking and growing the idea. I think he'll tell you more about this in a bit. So
0: William, can you tell us more about this? It looks like you were, uh, you were roped into this project and you were excited uh, to pursue it. Uh, so uh, what prompted you to decide to post in the DMV uh, site on Facebook? And uh, and then what happened afterwards,
1: too? I mean, this is, so well, this is really the
0: power of social media, I think.
1: Right, exactly. The power of social media really proved to be centered in our campaign. Um, it was really we just really did not know where to start from. We saw these people sending medications in like suitcases. We were like, what do we do suitcases? We try our own shipping methods, reach out to shipping companies. Uh, We tried, you know, many different things, but I think at first it started as where do we start from and who do we have to reach out to, who can help, who has the experience. And this Facebook group really connected us with some people in the DC Maryland, DMV, DC Maryland, Virginia area. And um, these people had some of them had really, um, you know, had some really good experiences in you know shipping medications, sending drugs either in suitcases, or at least they knew some of these NGOs that could help. And uh, a lot of them were also doctors, so we expanded our network to students, Georgetown students, George Washington students, uh, doctors in the DMV areas. We also reached out to big tech comp- big tech employees that were eventually able to match our donations. We reach out to US-based NGOs, mainly MAP International, that we will talk about later, and MedWish International. Both of them uh, usually receive tons of medications, medical supplies, from, uh, as donations from big pharma companies, pharmaceuticals, or from hospitals. And they donate them to countries in need. So basically, we're, we were able to establish this huge network of people, of professionals, who eventually were able to collaborate. We put them together. And um, the outcome was that MAP International on one hand was able to collaborate with um, P2P organization, a US-based Lebanese led NGO. And um, the other, on, on, on the other hand, this was for medications, but for medical supplies, um, Medwish International collaborated with House of Christmas NGO, also Lebanese led. And um, I think this was the part that took the most time for us. <clears throat> we tried to find the right people, um, the people that we would trust, the people that we thought were the right people for this, who would deliver the medications in all transparency and ensure that none of them are sold or stored. And um, you know, a lot of we heard a lot of stories of hospitals storing medications for financial purposes, given the crisis, or at least, or even pharmacies. And um, so along the way, we had to change, unfortunately, some of our partners, because we discovered some, some things that were not aligned with our, you know, inter- goals. And um, we, there was some lack of, of transparency at some point, but eventually, alhamdulillah, it all worked out, and now the medications are in Lebanon and in good hands. Okay, excellent.
0: And excellent. So, so basically, it started off with some connections in D.C. You connected you to, other NGOs and and, and uh, other areas outside of the DMV area which helped you get the donations, right?
1: Correct. So if, in simple words, yes, but there was, it was more of a, we had to ask so many people, even connect with people in Lebanon who could help people in the Lebanese army, for example, people um, who are a, a guy in a shipping company, uh, an American guy in Pennsylvania who ships a lot of medications to Lebanon. So Really, it was a mixture of things, but eventually we focused on, or at least we got the most help from um, two physicians in D.C., and this is how we we started. So, so
0: Nadia, now, so these physicians helped you, I guess, connect with uh, some of these uh, NGOs, right? So how did that, how did the connection start? Because obviously the donations were going to the NGOs, right? And then the NGOs were getting the medications to be shipped to Lebanon, right?
2: Yes. Um, so I think I I think for MAP International actually, I had a friend in med school here at Georgetown uh, who did like a similar like mission trip to South America. And I, I had asked him about it and he was like, oh, you have to check out this company, MAP International, they're so great. Like you pay a very small fee and you get like giant boxes or containers of a lot of donated medications. Um, so we looked into it, William and I, and we really liked the company. And then from just talking to people, other people knew about it as well. And then just talking to more people, we figured out about MedWish. And I had like one of my professors at Cornell who was very into global health. Like She taught one of the seminars for global health. Uh, she was Lebanese, actually. So I reached out to her and she also connected us with the NGOs back in Lebanon. And then one of the doctors uh, in the DMV area that we were working with connected us with the other NGO P2P. So it was a very, very joint effort. Like I can't emphasize how big of a group effort this was and how, like, how much teamwork it took. So it was just from talking to different people. And uh, we ended up hearing the same similar things like MedWish and MAP came up a lot. So we knew that they were the right companies to work with or organizations to work with
0: it was easy i guess to connect with them and start the process
2: yeah i think we we emailed we emailed them uh with with the doctors that we were working with it was like a big email chain and they were very receptive right away very responsive to all the emails we actually spoke to them on the phone a few times. And then eventually, once we connected MedWish and MAP with the respective NGOs, they took it from there and they kind of figured out all the logistics together. Um, but we made that initial connection. And the, those companies were really great to work with. They were very responsive, very receptive, very helpful.
0: I guess those two doctors that you mentioned were very helpful in this process. So it's up to you guys. Do you wanna, do you wanna mention their names?
1: Of course. So um, there's Dr. Jamil Bayram, um emergency medicine at Hopkins and uh there is uh Dr. Marie Rose Alam she's I think now the CEO CEO of a big um uh, psychiatry hospital in Maryland both of them were of extreme help. we worked really and it, we really worked a lot I think day and night even um we had our WhatsApp groups uh, talked over the phone did Zoom meetings Amazing. we yeah. were trying to find you know through our common connections, who the right people would be. And um, I think they were of huge help in our campaign.
2: Also, Dr. Josiane Abissahab was also very, very helpful. And she was actually friends with uh, Dr. Bayram. So she was my current professor. So it was kind of a joint effort, but we mainly uh, were like on the daily talking to Dr. Alam and Dr. Bayram who were both amazing.
0: How did you reach out to get uh, all the donations for this?
2: Yeah, so the initial we initially started with hosting like a fundraising event uh here at Georgetown on the both on the medical campus and the undergraduate campus. Uh and we called it like Medical Drive for Lebanon. And we collaborated with different clubs like uh William and I were the leads for the MSF Doctors Without Borders chapter at Georgetown. So we did it through that club. Uh, and then the Georgetown Arab Society and the undergrad uh School uh, also collaborated with us for this campaign. And that day we collected in-person donations. Some people came and actually gave us medications and those are the ones we sent uh, in suitcases. Um, but the main the main part of this campaign was the monetary donations. Um, people were just more willing to send a few dollars than go and get medication themselves, and it proved to be much easier in the end to uh not send things in suitcases. But so we collected those monetary donations via Venmo for the MSF Venmo that we had, and in one day we actually made around like six thousand dollars, which was we didn't expect. Um, it was great a great success, and we continued to collect funds uh by promoting our our campaign on social media. So we sent out the flyer. We would post. People would share our posts. On it was like on Instagram and Facebook mainly, and this also kept the the donations coming. And then uh, Dr. alam and Dr. Bayram actually led another campaign. Um, that was the one for Medwish. Um, and they raised just in a few days on from po- posting on Facebook, around five thousand five hundred dollars as well. And those donations went a very, very long way because we were able to match them twice, um, not just once, so the amount quadrupled. Um, And then that was enough to cover the cost of sending two large containers, one with Medwish and one with MAP. So everything in the containers was completely donated from those organizations, but we paid for the fees, the shipping fees and all the logistical fees using the funds that we, uh, we raised. Um, so the first container that was sent with MAP actually contained around $2.5 million worth of medications and the MedWish container contained $165,000 of medical equipment and supplies. So our effort was really like amplified, um, like so much more than we thought it would be.
0: Yeah, William, you collected, you collected how, how much money, if I don't mind me asking how much money we able to collect and we're, and it seems like the donations were from everyone, not just Lebanese Americans or Lebanese living in the U.S. Looks like people from all over were donating to this campaign, right?
1: Yeah, a lot of people even our in our class who are not Lebanese. A lot of them really donated a lot of money um, from the undergrad in school at Georgetown, GW. So many people who are not Lebanese, but saw the need in Lebanon, really wanted to have donated. Now... Um, As far as how much we collected, so we quadrupled our amount as Nadia mentioned. So first doubled it, able to match it to the big tech company, then doubled it again. But um, I think it was around, if I'm not mistaken, like 30 something thousand dollars, but this covered the service fees. So each medication we had to ship was a, uh, has its own service fee. And we also had to pay for, as Nadia mentioned, logistical fees and shipping fees. And we also had, um, other NGOs help us with the fees for shipping because at some point they were quite expensive. Um, but basically, this is kind of what Naja was saying that we were able to amplify our impact. So thirty thousand dollars could have bought, you know, just a few medications. Some of them really expensive. So we could have just sent a small, you know, bag of medication or a few ten bags of medication, for example, with thirty thousand dollars. But with this money, we found the most efficient way to send the biggest amount of donations to Lebanon. And I think this, what, this is what other people should do if people have a similar idea, can raise money. Some even students reached out to us, me and Nadia, and um, they, were, they were able to also donate you know, million, millions of dollars by you know, following the same path, or the same, putting these same people that we put together and uh, eventually, we were able to ship these medications to them.
0: So, so basically, you had, uh, you had a, a great idea. Of it's not only the money that you collect. It's more the importance of connections and trying to establish a certain pathway that works very well in this situation. And, and you guys were able to do that. You only had to collect $30,000 not even 30,000, because you probably collected less, but you had matching donations that happened. And so that was important uh, 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 from that standpoint. But then the $30,000 became millions of dollars by you connecting with different NGOs that work on this process, right?
1: Exactly, that's
0: exactly it. How did you connect? So my, my next question for you guys is, you connected with the NGOs here. How did you connect with the NGOs in Lebanon? And how did you vet them? Because I'm sure it's harder to vet the NGOs over there because here at Hitters, there's, there's websites. You know what their administrative fees are, where the money is going. Uh, how were you able to vet the NGOs and definitely connect with them?
2: Great question. Because that was the biggest like barrier that we had. We really wanted to make sure that the donations were going to go to the right place and go to the right hands. Because we had heard, like William mentioned earlier. A lot of stories, like the government in Lebanon super corrupt, but some of the people are too, and some of the NGOs are too, unfortunately. Um, so we started by asking around, like, um, some of the doctors that we worked with here um, recommended some NGOs over there. Like, one of them was involved with one. Um, And then we started like asking more people and we heard some stories um, about lack of transparency or like prioritizing certain hospitals. So we (laughs) immediately changed our paths. And then we ended up having like extensive long meetings with these people and going through exactly what the process was gonna be. Like we wanted to see receipts for everything. We wanted to know like constant communication of when things get there, where they are, where they're getting distributed, the exact amount. We have Excel sheets of exact amount of, uh, like, medications or supplies that went to each place. Um, and we just made sure that they got there and they got they got to the right places that they said they were going to get to. So I think just a lot of communication, transparency, proof, and just word of mouth, hearing good things about those people was how we vetted those organizations. And having, like, people in the healthcare system back home helps because they were aware. Like, I knew people at LAU who knew that the donations got there and made sure that they were, like, the right things that we said that they said they were gonna send. So we just had a lot of uh, you know, extra volunteers to make sure that everything went very smoothly, which I did, which it did. They did an amazing job, but yeah, you are right. You made a good point that this was like a big part of the process for sure.
0: William,
1: do you, you want to add anything to this? Uh, no, I think Nadja covered everything. Maybe I can tell you more about um, where these medications ended up eventually. Um, So for the medical equipment, um, Dr. Siri Meli from House of Christmas did a really amazing job at making this process extremely smooth. And the container that we shipped uh, had around 37,000 items and they reached the port on March 6th and um, were released in like April something. Um, the goods were organized, distributed by his team, by him and his team, in the following just two weeks to eight hospitals all over Lebanon in the north, in the Ba'a area, in Kisilwane, in the greater Beirut uh, area. And in addition to that, they also sent medications to a lot of PHCs in the country. Now, for the med- this is for the supplies and equipment. Now for the medications, um, the distribution was done by Wasim Kabara from P2P and his team, and uh, he also worked closely with the Manal Rasan Sal Foundation. And Manal Sa'al was really helpful in this whole process, especially in the shipping process of medications. And uh, also, Wasim was a very professional uh, worker. He made sure that they were delivered to more than 15 hospitals and health centers, NGOs, even smaller initiatives, healthcare initiatives in the country, uh, were able to benefit from our donations. And um, I think, as we mentioned, uh, they were, we had a lot of anti, I mean, antibiotics, cardiac medications, GI medications. But I think the main focus of our campaign was antipsychotics. And the biggest benefactors were these centers, such as Diris Salib, that had a real big focus on mental health. So, um, yeah, I guess eventually we were recognized by the U.S. ambassador, Dorothy Shi for our efforts on national TV, and also by Georgetown University, one of our gala dinners. And I guess this is when our campaign ended really recently, it took about a year. Um, But uh, we're so thankful for everyone that made this happen, all of our partners. I think without all of these people on the way, none of this would have been possible.
0: Exactly, it's a big group effort and not an individual effort. And uh, can you just mention uh, again, some of the partners, uh, so we can thank them for, for this
1: huge effort. Sure, I guess we can start with. I don't want to miss anyone, but MAP International were great help, Medwish International, great help. Not going to name the individuals, but uh, all the employees and Wasim um, Kabbara from P2P, Dr. Sidish Mele from um, House of Christmas. Uh, we mentioned Dr. Jamil Bayram, we mentioned uh, Dr. Marie Rose Alam. Um, we mentioned Dr. Josiane Abi Um Who am I missing, Nadia?
2: Dr. Celine Shemali. I
1: did mention Seleel, right? Yes. <laughs> I don't think, I, am I missing anyone? Uh, I
2: that's all of them. Yeah, I think that's You're all, like all the of them. Dr. Hassan Saab so Foundation. The...
0: Correct. Mm-hmm. All of our
2: donors. All of our all donors. donors. Right,
0: then. All the donors, right, And
2: All the donors. I like the what
0: big. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yes thanks to both of you and i think one thing we, before we ended i think one thing that's important is we always forget when you talk about healthcare, we sometimes you forget mental health but mental health has been a big uh, big deficiency uh, of medications in lebanon for that including antipsychotics and from what i heard from some people uh, also medications for adhd and stuff and some kids have had to wean off their uh stimulants uh due to the lack of the availability of stimulants in the country so that's a very big deficiency and there's a huge need from that standpoint so uh thanks to both of you and to everyone who has helped you with this uh, this was an, a huge undertaking and i think you've already mapped a pathway for others to follow to uh to uh to be able to get large numbers of donations uh, of medications to the to lebanon and maybe to other countries too
2: yeah. thank you thank you so much i just want to say like if you take something from this it's that you never know what small idea or small effort how big it can turn and how it can snowball into like a big life-saving campaign so if anyone's like wants to help i really encourage them to do so it does take time and effort um, and energy but it, it was very a very gratifying experience and we were so grateful that we were able to do that and of course if anyone has questions about this or wants to reach out because um, William and I want to keep working on this and turn this into a more sustainable effort something that can keep going for the long term so if anyone is interested in ever helping or wants to know more about how we did this of course feel free to reach out anytime.
1: Of course, I think we're both willing to help anyone who's interested. And uh, as you mentioned, the takeaway is that even, you know, the simplest move, just a Facebook post, a Facebook message, uh, just start from anywhere. It will go a long way. Just put in the work and effort and motivation. And um, any work can really move mountains. Yes. If you have an idea,
0: uh, go after it and it will eventually work out if you work for it.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, thanks to both of you. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Dr.
0: Jan.